Greetings and welcome back to the cult of SMMI. I'm your host, Scott Mort. Before we delve into today's content, I want to emphasize that everything discussed falls under the broad category of allegedly. The narratives shared today are based on the recollections of Michael Kovacs. I extend an open invitation to any current or former members of the Sisters Minor of Mary Immaculate to join the show, either to challenge or corroborate Mr. Kovacs' accounts. You can reach me at strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. For those who may have missed the earlier episodes, I highly recommend checking out episodes one and two. In our previous installment, Michael was grappling with the distressing revelation that he had lost power of attorney for his mother. Her care had shifted to his sister, Teresa, who holds a prominent position within the SMMI. came home I came I, I did everything like normally I went I went to five o'clock mass I think I need to go food shopping but maybe we did but I came home and I was sitting in my you know in my I guess work room or whatever it is and, and then and I get a call and it's from I want to say her name but it, I won't but it was one of the nuns at the, at the place in Connecticut in Stratford not Stratford I'll get the. It, it was in. It was in Connecticut where they were at. I'll just call her Sister K. Sister that K. could be about thirty different names. So Sister K calls me up, and I'm like, oh, Sister K. I'm like, Hey, man, what's going on? And then, and she's like, You're right. I'm like, Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's it's abating a bit this feeling of being dead, but it's a weird feeling. It's like, Well, we we got your message last night, and we just come from chapel from going to mass we came back we heard your voice message and we ran back to the chapel to the rosary for you now only oh, probably saved my life if i wasn't dead but i mean she was she and so this conversation was absolutely pivotal i didn't know it at the time but i'm sitting there and i'm like and i'm in this weird space but i'm present and i'm talking to her and i, I do love this person i really do we, just, we became good friends really good friends compadres in this war for a while and she, I go, I told her what happened. I said, look, here's what happened and why, you know, why I'm in this space. And she just got really quiet. She was like, yeah, she, Teresa does that. I'm like, wait, what? I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, that happens all the time. You think you've cut a deal with somebody. You have an agreement with this party to, to trap her or to, to, and then what you don't know, and you're walking into the meeting or whatever, and you think you got her cornered. And the next thing you know, she's made a backroom deal and you're screwed. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, oh, wow. Okay. So she knew exactly what I'd been going through, you know, with it. Um, well, as close as you can without your mother. But she knew. So then she said something that was a, became a talisman, a literal talisman. The second one in a month that saved my life was, she goes, Mike, she goes, you don't know what you're up against. You think you do, but you don't. She goes, but I promise you, you can't take it. You, you cannot take it on yourself. You're going to have to learn to respect it. 
And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I was like, okay, whatever, cool, thanks. And, you know, I was very happy for her, and I was very grateful for her presence. I didn't want to have it think like I was dismissing her, but I still thought I was kind of dead. So I was like, okay, thank you, you know, whatever. And, you know, didn't, and, and again, she was such a sweetheart. So that one line became like an absolute linchpin for everything. And then over time, once I got some sleep, and once I kind of began to... It was, I, I again realized, no, I'm not dead. But it would be like, you know, for like 20 hours a day, or wait, most of the time I was awake, I'd be, feel like I was dead. And then over time, like two, three weeks, it began to fade away into the, into, you know, into the back corner. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm actually alive. I'm not dead. Very disgusting feeling uh, that I didn't know about. But that's how bad Teresa and Patrizzi could, could break people. I mean, they're pros at that. Because I thought I could take, I thought I had the ability to take on this force, this cult, by myself, and and you don't. I it took me that it, it took me seven more years to eight more years to learn that. But so that was that was Feb, that was so that was March. That was the gig in Philly, and that and then things began to get weird. <laughs> they began to get weird. Um, my my mom got better, but not good enough. She wound up in the hospital this Holy Week of because because Jim because Jim you know our friend Jim from Minneapolis. Absolutely. Yeah, he came down. He was he was burying a relative at Arlington, so he came down. I met him in D.C. and we you know we had a wonderful reunion and stuff although i was out of my mind because my mom was back in the icu she she was out of the rehab but she couldn't swallow right because her her swallowing reflexes were screwed and she wasn't being taken care of well you know like the help they got it, it wasn't it wasn't the best that it could be okay just to say it that way so my mom had turned out so that was the Easter week. So at least just Sunday, oh, I remember that week. We, my wife and I were at Easter Mass, and we got a call. We like left and flew to the hospital. My mom was—I want to benchmark it at five. She was like five ten-ish, or maybe a little more. But she had a dowager's hump, like she like scoliosis. So I never knew her full height, but she had big hands and big feet, and she was a four. So so if you imagine someone who's a woman who's five ten, who's like crack it who's down to about 100 pounds 98 pounds right we got a problem she's not eating so now there's this discussion about her needing a feeding tube like so this is so no i can remember all that back they didn't know what to do and my mom is like now my mom was like 80 some pounds a 510 frame and 80 sometimes so she's with her but she's not dying from anything like this the thing that was angering me was you know, what's your mom dying from? Nothing. She's, I don't know what, it's not like she's got cancer, she's got polio, she's got, you know, some metastatic disease. She's like, well, I don't know. It turned out she just needed, she couldn't eat. So, and she, I thought she was going to die. We all, I mean, I was praying to God she wouldn't. So this is still 2011. So we're in the, so I'm in the hospital like every day and I'm there for like seven hours one time and I'm like, I'm, I'm, this is just not, this is bad. So one day, um, a gastroenterologist comes in, but, and he, and he says, "Okay, she she's, you know, she's what was she then? Eighty four, eighty three, eighty four. 
83, 84 years old, she needs, we can give her, give her a feeding tube. Okay, we'll do the operation with a feeding tube. It could be dangerous, but that's what she needs. My mom, hardcore, to, hardcore to the hardcore to the end, is like, she agreed to do it. She was still compass mentis. We both agreed, like, yeah, let's ever do it. So that was, I think, on the, on the weekend. And then, or at some point, so we, it was agreed. Surgery for the feeding tube, because if you don't, this woman's going to die within like 72 hours. Like, there is no maybe. She was just going to cash out. So it's agreed, feeding tape. I think that was on a Monday. So then like a, two days later, whatever, let's just say it was a Wednesday, I get a call early in the morning from my sister, from my middle sister saying, you got to come over. You, you Teresa, stop the surgery from happening. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? I fly over to the hospital, right? My sister, I, and I call the nuns in Connecticut. I'm like, you got to pray for me because this is going down. My mom's going to die. And they're like, we're on it. I'm so sorry. We're on it for you. I get there. It turned out this is what happened. Again, dressed as a nun. My sister Teresa and her sidekick showed up probably like at 6 a.m. or sometime before surgery would start. Like they stayed early. She showed up with an old bogus, uh, well, it was it wasn't valid, an invalid... Um, Medical living, paper, I forget. Living will? Living will, like where you can't do, do operations to, like some people say, don't give me a feeding tube, don't give me oxygen, don't do this. My mom had an old one that stated that, but it wasn't in her new one, okay? Teresa shows up with this thing, flashes it in front of the nurses. They hit the, they hit the brake on the, on the surgery and it's, it's canceled. Now, I, again, my mom is like gonna die. She is like emaciated beyond the pale. So <laughs> I get to the hospital, I'm like, what the hell's going on? She tells me, Teresa came in, they canceled it, and we're like, we gotta get the new God, you know, we gotta get the new uh, power of the, the living wills, whatever. She made a new one. So we, she, she goes, you take care of here. I'm gonna go get him. So she flies down to the, to one of the doctors and, and like, I think in the middle of the patient, it's like from a movie, gets like, I need these forms. And gets the, when she gets all the paperwork and comes back. And this is so I'm watching my mom ready to die. Like I'm just here in this crisis. So, so it had been blocked, and so we had the paperwork to have it go forward. So then, oddly enough, this is where it gets very strange. This is the first time I got super freaked out. A gastroenterol, another gastroenterologist, I think, came in, and I knew him. Actually, I knew him. He was a very lovely man. Very good. Very, very good at his work. Lovely family. Todd is one of his children. Just a great guy. So he knew me. So we're in the corridor, and we're trying to figure out how my mom can get some nutrition in and not die, but before she can get the feeding tube. So I'm standing there. They're in front of the door. I'm about six feet back, and I can see my middle sister and the doctors talking. And Maybe my wife was there. I'm not sure. But anyway, no, she was working. Um, but they're there. And then all of a sudden, in the left side of my vision comes Teresa and her sidekick. And, and as she was coming in, I could, you got this energy feel of like this, this like dark, dark presence is kind of like just like ready to just kill. Like just this thing. Like she knew something was up. Because she, so, and the, I cannot just, again, well, take it for what it's worth. When she, 
went right up to the doctor and heard what was going on, I promise you, I was looking at her and it was like every molecule in her body just did this shift and she changed presence. I cannot describe it, but it was weird. I was like, what the hell? And she was totally calm. Like, oh, yes, we should do that. And she was totally for it. I like, but it wasn't just, it was, it was like their whole entire being just shifted. Now, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life from anybody. So, so she agreed. So she was, oh, yes, I think we should. Because now she was like, oh, fine for it. You know, she, yeah, she, she got caught. So she decided to wiggle in on the side. And you can really get a question. And I'm going to question a overly caffeinated musician who's having a nervous breakdown. No, you're going to trust her. So long and short is my mom did get this, the gastro surgery and got the, got the tube in. The, they added, she had a nasal one for a while, for a couple of days to get her some food. And then she got the uh, the one in the stomach. She survived the surgery, so we were good to go. But that was a problem because that meant my mother was going to live longer. And that is not what my sister Teresa wanted. She wanted the money for the cult and the house for the cult. So, which leads us to so you follow me so far? Please stop me and ask questions. <laughs> I do <laughs> indeed follow you. I do indeed follow um, you. So she tried to kill my mom once, and that failed. So we're going to go for two now. So my mom comes home. She has a feeding tube. So this is great. That means she can get nutrients and she should be getting physical therapy every day, like five days a week. Again, my, I'm not making a lot of money. My wife's doing okay. My, my middle sister's doing pretty good. We will afford. We will, we will do whatever it takes. Second mortgage on the house. We will do what it takes to have mom be better. But we are being blocked every step of the way from getting better help. So my mom is doing black. You know, man, she's emaciated, right? She just now is getting food in her system. So this is, is June, maybe? Oh, man, I have so many memories from that hospital stay. But, whew. Um, so at that point, things began to take this weird curve because the the the, the attempted uh, murder murder of my mom didn't work once so what my sister had to do is go for a second time and it was very clever forceful and beyond immoral but you know props to, props to being creative um my mom looked like crap but there's again there was nothing wrong with her really she just needed nutrients and exercise and care that's really what she needed because she's right. had a stroke so you need physical rehab and and probably mental rehab and good nutrition and care. That's this, what you need. At this right? point, this she's is, not yeah. she's not fighting a cancer. She's not fighting. No, there's no right. nothing. Right? There's no leukemia. Right. There, nothing going on here. Nothing. There's no, my mom. My mom's side of the family. If they didn't do stupid stuff, or if fate wasn't unkind, they would live to be probably like I don't, I don't know three hundred. I mean, this is true. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they would. They are just these. They, they are just. Oh my! Like that side of the family. God, they have this stamina. There is other family around, not so much. So, I, where I sit, I don't know. But so she basically her health technically is fine, but she's just weak and needs rehab and help. Okay, so now is where it gets dark. So I was working on a project. Really, was that them? Yeah, it must have been. I was working on it because I can't really remember. I remember the phone call. My, my, I was working on a project with a friend with a, at a friend's studio, like 20 minutes from here. And a student who was also my mom's doctor 
a lovely man, a great guy, such a, an award-winning oncologist, a sweet guy and a good guy. He calls up and he starts yelling at me. I'm like, oh, hi. And it's like late. I'm like, hi. And he's like, your mother, you know, wants to find me. I'm like, what's going on here? I don't know what's going on. And I've never heard him yell I, in my mm-hmm. life. I've heard it for years. I'm like, um, I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. Because uh, your, your mother's like, I'm not her doctor anymore. And she's, I'm like, please explain. I have no idea. I'm so sorry, but I don't know. Here's what had happened within like 48 hours. It was like the night of long scalpels. Here's what happened. Um, my, Teresa demanded my mother be put on hospice. Okay, but there was nothing wrong. There was no, there's nothing, no cancer, no kidney disease, no liver disease. No, nothing. It was like zilch. Okay, she was just emaciated, needed food, and needed their physical therapy and mental therapy. That was it. But she looked like crap. That's what you have to know, right? So now, my, uh, if, yes, if you so, don't mind me, if you don't mind me stopping yeah, here what? for a second, you yeah, said please. this, this was an oncologist that you knew. Was mm-hmm. he, and you said this he is your mother's. mother's my mother's, mother's doctor. So he, now my mother here. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that she didn't have cancer. So well, a lot no, of people well, are probably wondering why does your mother have an oncologist? Well, no, no. Well, that's okay. I don't why she went to him in the beginning. I don't know. Now to all the listeners understand the following. I don't know what the type is. I'll get it for you next time. And if we do another interview, my mother had a certain type of, of, of blood issue. Okay where they're able to spot it at such a microcosmic level that the doctor can go, you have this, I guess, cancer or whatever it is. You have this. But it's so low that it doesn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, the ability to spot it was so, you know what I mean? It's, this is more common than people think. So she had one, but she, you know, she had high blood, she had high blood pressure. And although she weighed like nothing, she had high blood pressure. So maybe she went in for that too, but... Again, there was, I, I, I'll find the name of it, but it, that type of can the type of cancer, I guess, that she had, it was at such a microscopic level that, um, that, you know, that she didn't need um, any treatment whatsoever. I mean, when she did die, like last year, that wasn't even a trace problem. Okay, so, you know, 15 years of it, and it didn't even come up on the radar. Does that make sense of, of problem? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's yeah, so, my, yeah. my mother. I, I, my mother had cancer, and her oncologist, a, an absolutely fantastic man, who sadly whose name I can't remember right now, makes right. me a horrible person. But he said, he, he he described this as everybody has cancer. It's just right. how how much do you have? Yeah. There you go. That makes yeah. sense. Right. So. You know, so that was her. That was so that was that was the situation. So, but they were he. My mom loved him, and she loved him back, and they just was great. But that was a problem because he's a cancer. He's an oncologist, right? So he puts people on hospice every day. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not something he takes lightly, but he does it a lot. So he's screaming at me like your mother called and your sister was on the phone and they left a message saying she's wanting me as a doctor and I got a certified letter and they canceled me out of being her doctor something. So so he got he was dismissed as sort of believed of being her doctor. There was a general practitioner uh, ten minutes away. I can't remember his. Oh, I remember, but I won't say it. 
he got a letter saying that no longer does she wish to be his doctor. What they did was they they went and they got a guy. Um, they got a doctor in town. This goofball and and you know Teresa primed the pump by saying, "Oh, she's she's so sick. She's really she's really not. A, you know, she's really looking. She's really that." And my mom looked like crap, but on the books, she was actually fine. You just, <laughs> that was the thing. So my sister primes the pumps, pulls the nun card out, and this doctor writes her off to be on um, hospice. I'm losing my brain. There's no reason for this. But now my mom is on hospice. Okay. Now we go into phase two of the weirdness. Join us next week for episode four of The Cult of SMMI. If you'd like to reach out to me, and I highly encourage you to do so, I can be reached at strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Thank you once again. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.